Hey, everybody. Welcome to a bonus episode of The Back Room. I'm Andy Ostroy. Doors have opened, new subpoenas have been issued, and the dam has begun to break. And now, even as we conduct our ninth hearing, we have considerably more to do. We have far more evidence to share with the American people and more to gather. So our committee will spend August pursuing emerging information on multiple fronts before convening further hearings this September. Well, there, there you have it, Liz Cheney answering the uh, all-important question of is, uh, was Thursday night's hearing the J6 season finale or the series finale? And uh, I think unexpectedly, uh, certainly in my mind, um, she said it's the season one finale. They kind of come back, which is great. So the reason we're doing this bonus episode is the taped interview we, we did with Paul Begala on uh, Thursday was before the hearing. And uh, the hearing was really important, and a lot of information came out. So we thought we would do, I don't know, 15, 20 minutes of, of a, a bonus episode and just uh, do some commentary on that. Benny Thompson, who was the chairman, he was remote. He had COVID, or has COVID. So the uh, hearing uh, was chaired by Adam Kinzinger, a Republican congressperson from Illinois, uh, who's also an Air Force Special Ops vet and a pilot in the Air National Guard. So he's a patriot. And Representative Elaine Luria, who's a Democrat from Virginia, who also, and she's a retired, she is a retired Navy commander. <clears throat> so those are two very impressive people in terms of service to, to country. Um, and they had uh, two people testifying in person, Matthew Pottinger, who was a member of uh, Trump's National Security Council, and Trump's former Deputy Press Sec, Sarah Matthews. Now, these were not deep state Democrats. These are formerly loyal Trumpers, I mean, super loyal Trumpers, who on January 6th quit. Uh, because of their outrage at Trump's deranged behavior. So the focus of this hearing was to show that Trump and his thugs created the big lie to set the stage for January 6th. And what Trump's going to do is just declare victory, right? He's going to declare victory. It, but it, that doesn't mean he's the winner. He's just going to say he's the winner. The Democrats, more of our people vote early that count. Theirs voted mail. And so they're going to have a natural disadvantage, and Trump's going to take advantage of it. That's our strategy. He's going to declare himself a winner. So when you wake up Wednesday morning, it's going to be a firestorm. Also, also if, Trump is, if Trump is losing by 10 or 11 o'clock at night, it's going to be even crazier. No, because he's going to sit right there and say they stole it. If Biden's winning, Trump is going to do some crazy shit. That was Steve Bannon three days before the election. I mean, <laughs> it was clear as, clear as a bell. They, this was planned from the get-go. I mean, how many times do we have to, re, you know, did we hear Trump say, the only way I can lose this election is if it's stolen. So that was the plan. And they literally announced it all in advance, and specifically in terms of the J6 insurrection. All hell is going to break loose tomorrow. It's all converging, and now we're on, as they say, the point of attack, right? The point of attack tomorrow. I'll tell you this. It's not going to happen like you think it's going to happen, okay? It's going to be quite extraordinarily different. And all I can say is strap in. 
So when Steve Bannon says all hell's going to break loose tomorrow, and guess what? All hell broke loose tomorrow. That wasn't coincidence. That was like stage two of the plan. Announce that it's going to be a stolen election, brainwash everybody, and then let's have a riot because of it. And then because of the riot, we're going to use that to stop the certification of electors and uh, steal this election. Um, so the, the, the overall goal of the hearing was to, to basically show Trump's dereliction of duty, his failure to honor his oath to defend and protect the Constitution. It, it truly was an incredibly incriminating 187-minute play-by-play where they showed how the United States president did absolutely nothing to stop a deadly attack on the nation's capital and on our Constitution. And instead, what did he do? He sat in the dining room, the Oval Office dining room, all day watching uh, Fox News. I mean, there were times when he like rewound. He rewound his favorite parts, like he's watching a freaking Nick game or something. Um, sadistically relishing in the violence. Uh, just drooling as cops were getting the shit beaten out of them. Watching the panic uh, of lawmakers who feel feared for their lives. Uh, listening with glee to the death chants against Nancy Pel- Speaker, House Speaker Nancy Pelosi and his Vice President Pence. While, while he continued to spew this incendiary stolen election uh, rhetoric, um, watching his people, he gloated watching these, these maniacs uh, fight for him, in, in his mind, fight for him uh, in his treasonous effort to overturn the election and overthrow the government. And all the while ignoring the desperate pleas of everyone in his family, his media pals uh, like Sean Hannity and, and Andrea Ingram, um, and in his political circle, his top aides, to tell these people to stop. He refused to tell these people to stop. He told Mark Meadows that the rioters were doing what they should be doing, and the rioters understood they were doing what President Trump wanted them to do. So basically, Trump didn't give a flying fuck who got hurt, who got killed, who got what got destroyed, because these crazy ass white nationalists were doing and fe- they were feeding his diseased ego. The, the mob attacking the Capitol quickly caused the evacuation of both the House and the Senate. The count ground to an absolute halt and was ultimately delayed for hours. The mob was accomplishing President Trump's purpose. So, of course, he didn't intervene. I mean, just think about that. He was basically the only person in America who didn't want that shit to stop. I mean, when Don Jr. says, this shit's got to stop, like, you know something's pretty fucked up, right? Not, not Donnie uh, Sr. Uh, so the biggest takeaways of the hearing Thursday night, uh, Trump did not place a single call to any of his law enforcement or national security officials as the Capitol attack was unfolding. Um, people like Keith Kellogg, uh, Pence's national security advisor, who was also with Trump that day, testified that he never heard Trump ask for the National Guard or any law enforcement response at all. Um, Matthews, who testified Thursday night, said she spoke with Kaylee McEnany, who was at the time uh, the Trump's press secretary, um, as the, as the violence was spiraling out of control, McEnany said, he, he looked directly at me and in a hushed tone shared with me, uh, she's talking about uh, um, 
uh, I think, uh, Mark Meadows. The president did not want to include any sort of mention in peace in a tweet that they were crafting. He did not want to mention, stop the violence, go in peace. That's how sick this dude is. His refusal to act and call off the mob that day and his refusal to condemn the violence was indefensible. That was Matthews uh, talking about why she quit later that night. There was some humor in the hearings when they played the outtakes of Trump's January 7th video that he was going to tweet out. But this election is now over. Congress has certified the results. I don't want to say the election's over. I just want to say Congress has certified the results without saying the election's over, okay? <laughs> he, he can't say the election is over. This is the day after people died. This is the day after everyone from Mitch McConnell to uh, Kevin McCarthy to Lindsey Graham attacked him in, in publicly for, for his dereliction of duty. And he can't say the election is over the day after. And then he also had trouble with the word yesterday. Yesterday is a hard word for me. Just take it out. Ah, uh, good. Take the word yesterday Yesterday is a hard word for him. Yesterday. He actually said it perfectly as he said it was a hard word for him. Hey, this word that I'm about to say perfectly is a hard word for me. Um, you know what? There's, I was thinking that uh, what could we do with that? The, the word yesterday. And I, I got to apologize to Paul McCartney and John Lennon in advance. But this is what popped into my head when I saw that. Yesterday. It's a word I had them take away. Not a simple word for Trump to say. I don't believe in yesterday. I mean, I could go on and on with that song, but I won't. Uh, out of deference to John Lennon and Paul McCartney and my deep respect and appreciation, appreciation for both of them. Uh, two guys, especially Paul, who never had a problem with the word yesterday, clearly or Frank Sinatra, or any of the 5,000 people who covered that song. I mean, he has a problem with the word yesterday. It was so funny because it's like he just kept saying things that like his inner voice, if there is a, if there is a soul in that man, be like, yeah, what happened yesterday was awful. And then he'd stop and the other voice would take over and go like, I don't want to say it was awful. I don't want to say, like, he couldn't say January 6th bad in any way. Um... We also learned about Trump's in, I mean, we heard more about Trump's inaction. Uh, Mark Milley, who's chairman of the Joint Chiefs, told the J6 committee he was astounded that he never heard from Trump uh, as the violence was boiling out of control, um, suggesting his failure to act amounted to an abdication. This is the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff saying there was an abdication of his duties as commander in chief. Hey, the Commander-in-Chief, you got an assault going on on the capital of the United States of America. And there's nothing, no call, nothing, zero. I mean, just think about that for a second. Your Joint Chiefs of Staff, Staff Chairman basically is calling you a traitor. Oh, my God. It's just it, every time you think there's a bottom, um, it, just, it just goes lower and lower. And now we have like this, the, one of the biggest surprises that came out of uh, Thursday's hearing was about the Secret Service and how there seemed to be like two two camps of Secret Service, like the the uh, seditious loyalists of Trump, and and then the 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 like the good guys on Pence team, Pence's team, who 
not only feared for his life, but their own. Uh, there were calls to um, say goodbye to family members, so on and so forth. It was getting, for, for whatever the reason was on the ground, the BPP tell thought that this was about to get very ugly. That was a, um, a, a, a national security a person who uh, whose voice was disguised to protect his uh, safety, who basically said, like, the Secret Service was scared. Uh, you know, we, we saw surveillance video of them, like, look, checking out the, the downstairs uh, stairway, you know, stairwell, of, you know, can they get Pence to safety? Um, and then we saw how close Pence came to the rioters. Uh, but just think about Secret Service agents calling their families because they don't think they're going to come home. This, this is another one of things that Trump caused that day. Another thing we heard more about is the actions of Pence versus Trump's inaction. Milley said he had several calls with Mike Pence, that the VP also spoke with Secretary of Defense Chris Miller. One of the things Milley uh, was quoted as saying is that he was very, Pence was very animated, and he issued very explicit, very direct Unambiguous orders. There was no question about that. He was very animated, very direct, very firm to Secretary Miller. Get the military down here. Get the guard down here. Put down this situation. That was the vice president talking. Because where was the president? Like shoving cheeseburgers in his face in the dining room watching Fox News. Like he's watching a fucking UFC uh, battle or something. Um, It's just astounding. Congressman, uh, Congresswoman Loria also noted the contrast by saying, quote, the president did not call the vice president or anyone in the military, the federal law enforcement agencies or D.C. government at all. Not a single person. Then we saw Jared Kushner. You know, we saw a clip from his deposition, Boy Wonder, son-in-law, in which he said that GOP House leader Kevin McCarthy was, quote, scared amid the unfolding violence at the Capitol. Uh, they spoke on the phone January 6th. One of the comedic highlights, again, of, uh, of the hearing was when they showed Josh Hawley, okay, who somebody on the, on the internet uh, nicknamed Fist Pump McRun Pants, which is probably the greatest name I've ever heard in my life. Fist Pump McRun Pants. Now, you remember, he was the guy who, like, was walking in the parking lot and, like, gave a fist pump uh, to the rioters uh, in support. And then they showed, I mean, literally like one second to the next, him running for his life. And apparently you can go online. Uh, Maddie just told me that <clears throat> you can go online and find clips of people who put different musical, like movie soundtracks to his running across the hallway for his life, like uh, Chariots of Fire or whatever. I'm definitely going to check that out as soon as I get out of here. But I mean, think, just think about this. This is a guy who was one of the architects of the whole thing. And he's out there fist pumping these people. And then he's like, hey, you guys who I totally support, who are now trying to fucking kill me. Like he's running away from the very people who he continues. He continues to, he's like, he tweeted yesterday, selling, like he's selling his mugs, his coffee mugs with the fist pump. This is after, after these people tried to kill him. Think about that. We also heard about the uh, infamous limo episode. <clears throat> this is when uh, Cassidy Hutchison said Trump not only tried to grab the wheel, but also tried to strangle his top Secret Service agent. So they brought on Congresswoman Loria said that they, they had two witnesses 
who corroborated her testimony. And he was so upset because they wouldn't drive him to the Capitol. And apparently, uh, these witnesses corroborated that he did, in fact, lunge at his lead agent, Robert Engel, and that he also grabbed the wheel. One of the witnesses is a former White House employee with national security responsibilities. So these aren't just fly-by-night people. The witness, one witness testified that Tony Ornato, the, the infamous Tony Ornato, who we hear about all the time now, who is then Trump's White House uh, deputy chief of staff and uh, a current member of the Secret Service, verified. He told him the same story that Cassidy Hutchison had testified to. The second witness was a retired uh, D.C. Uh, police officer, Sar- uh, Sergeant Mark Robinson, who was in the motorcade. Uh, he also testified that Trump was in a, quote, heated exchange with the agents. Now, we fucking know. We know. We know that tr- not only did Trump grab the wheel, did, did Trump try to strangle his, but he probably pissed in the back seat and was like banging on the windows. Like, he, like why is this even a conversation? Like, does this need to be corroborated? Um I don't know, Maddie. When you watch the hearings, this is how I think either the eighth or the ninth. I mean, Cheney said ninth, but I think it's the eighth. Um, what did you make of Thursday night? Aside from the comedy of Josh Hawley, I thought one part which was really telling, which hasn't been talked about a lot, is that Trump really knew he was doing something wrong because he, for the first time, at least that we know of, he kept the White House photographer who photographs everything from coming into the dining room so that he couldn't be photographed watching Fox News while people were being killed outside. Do you think he was like, the woman that got shot, did you get a shot of that one? Do we have that? Can we blow that up? No pun intended. I'm sure he would like to have done that. I mean, he's talked far more about the woman who got shot by a police officer for right. the Capitol than he's talked about the actual Capitol Police being Yeah, shot. well, he calls, he's, she's the hero. Oh, totally. I mean, that brings us to like what this hearing... And all of the hearings, basically, have, have led to so far. And that was, to Maddie's point, that there's, there was clear intent. Um, the J6 committee made a crystal clear case that J6 was conceived by Trump, incited by Trump, orchestrated by Trump, unstopped by Trump. And more importantly, they said, they suggested that if he ever has the chance to do it all again, he will. And that brings us to the ultimate question of, is he ever going to get indicted? Uh, on Friday, Kinzinger told CNN he believes the J6 committee did in fact present more than enough evidence for the Justice Department to indict him. This represents the greatest effort to overturn the will of the people to conspire against the will of the people and to conspire against American democracy uh, that we've ever had, frankly, since the Civil War. So, uh, yeah, I think we've proven that. Uh, It's up to justice now to make a decision. So, yeah, there you have it. You have Kinsinger saying, we, you know, to, to Merrick Garland, we've given you, we've given you everything that we could possibly give you. And now it's really up to you. And look, the truth is, Trump better be indicted. Because if we fail to hold him accountable, if he's allowed to get away with his dereliction of duty, obstruction of justice, witness tampering, conspiracy to defraud the United States, conspiracy to obstruct an official proceeding, seditious conspiracy, wire fraud, etc., 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 then our democracy is dead. Because he's going to run again. And if he happens to get into the Oval Office again, I guarantee you he's going to spend his next four years 
ensuring that he'll never, ever leave. That's it for this special episode of The Back Room. I'm Andy Ostroy. We'll see you next week.